0: what makes something valuable like how do you know that like when you look at something like it has value well in the science of economics there's a theory known as subjective theory of value and it means this it teaches that value is not inherited but it's determined by individuals in other words uh two different people can have two different values of one certain thing you've probably seen this before Uh, let's say you see a pair of shoes and they're $100, but you don't like like them enough to spend $100. And someone else sees the same pair of shoes, and they're $100, and they like them about $100 worth, right? And so people are going to spend money or whatever they place their value upon. Uh, And when we think about things like that, uh, they have a subjective value to them. And it has a lot to do with our personal preferences and things we like or maybe things that we don't like as well. For instance i i would say i like music but i absolutely love music i love mu- music so much i put money behind it meaning i have a monthly subscription to uh, spotify uh, if i have opportunities to go to a concert that i want to go to i'll try to uh, go to the concert um throughout seasons of my life i've collected vinyl records do i need to explain what that is because I, I, I want to have the music physically in my hand. And I also love the artwork uh, of, you know, because they're doing art on the album cover as well. I love all that. Why? I place a high value on that. Now, when you hear that, you're probably like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. The radio is free. Why would you pay for music? Or you can just rip it off a line, whatever you do there. Like, why would you do that? Why? I sacrifice because I really love Music. When we love something, we will make some sacrifices for it. We will pay a cost to that. Think about the things that we as humans love. And uh, let me give you a little list of things that we love. You may love them, you may not love them. But for some of you, you may say, I I do love them, and I do put some uh, costs behind it. For some of it, it may be our careers. We love our careers, and we sacrifice a lot for our careers. And so much so that, uh, you know, training in your career or tools in your career may cost you money out of your pocket, but it's worth it to you because you place a high value on your career. For some of you, are like, I could care less about my career. My career is a J-O-B. Just send me a check. I'm not putting any other time or money or value into that. For some of us, it may be school. We place a high value on education. So you may be spending a lot, and when I say a lot, a lot of money on your education because they cost a lot of money but you think hey this is worth it i put place a value upon this it may be a hobby hobbies can get rather expensive am i right you may have an old car you may have a collection of something you may tinker in the garage or something you may have art whatever that is but you place a high value upon that and so you will spend money on that it may be a lot of different things it could be outdoors any outdoorsy people in here you like all the gear that goes along with it like patagonia and all that really expensive stuff yeah so we place a value on that and so we will pay the cost of that when we look at what we value though it's basically saying what we love or what we another word we can use is treasure i want to ask you a question don't answer it yet in your life what do you treasure what is one of your highest treasures well, Jesus talks a lot about treasure, and so if you've got a Bible, go to Matthew 13. That's where we're going to spend our time today. And by the way, some of you may be confused because like, hey, we're not really in a series. We're not going to be in a series until Lent begins. And Lent begins actually on Ash Wednesday, which is uh, the 14th Valentine's Day. And so when we begin Lent the Sunday after that, we're going to jump back into the Book of Romans. And so we're just doing standalones up until now, just to kind of get us to there. But we'll be in Matthew 13 today. Uh, If you don't have a Bible here at Grace Point Church, we always say you're going to need a Bible. We lead, teach, and preach from it. And so if you'd like to own a Bible, we have those for free at these two tables up front, Center Point as well. You can download a Bible app on your phone. And uh, find all the stuff on there as well. But uh, we're actually looking at two parables today. And, and the parables are going to talk about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, what the kingdom of heaven is like, and it's compared to a treasure. And the value of the kingdom of heaven is priceless, but it's going to cost us everything, sort of. And so we'll be in Matthew thirteen forty four. Are you there? Guys ready? All right, here we go. Jesus is saying, these these parables are kind of uh, stories to, to illustrate something. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And so Jesus is comparing um, the kingdom of God to a treasure in a field. Now, uh, back in that day, they really didn't have banks to where you can go store your money. They didn't have a bank in every one of your grocery stores tucked away in there. Uh, they didn't have uh, safety deposit boxes. You remember safety deposit boxes? Some of my older generation, is like, oh yeah, that's where you put your grandma's jewelry in or whatever for safekeeping in the bank. Well, they didn't have those back then. So what they would do when they have something valuable, a treasure, might be money, might be jewelry, might be a family heirloom, they would put it typically in a clay pot and they would go bury it out in the backyard. But the bad part would be is if a warring nation came over and they defeated you and ran you off, uh, then your treasure would be out in the back there. Or if you would die and you didn't have anyone to pass your land off to, that treasure would just be out there and it was fair game. You remember the old saying when we were kids, finders keepers, losers weepers. It was kind of that, that deal right there. Now, in the parable, this is no ordinary find. This is a really valuable treasure and he says when he finds the treasure he goes and hides it in that field which which is just funny like he found the treasure why didn't why didn't he just run away with it no no he rehides it I remember as a kid going to the mall and uh, I'd find a shirt that I really wanted but I didn't have the money with me and so I would go and take the shirt off the hanger and hide it somewhere did you guys ever do that before I'd hide it somewhere, and then you're like, I live forever uh, far from the mall, so like the next week I'd go go, like looking under the cabinet or counter or wherever I put it at in the the mall. Um, But this is kind of what he's doing right here. Um, He buys the whole field. Goes back and buys the whole field. Not part of it, not just a little section where he thinks the, or where he knows he hit it at. No, he buys the whole field. And he does it, no one's making him do it. No one's twisting his arm on or anything like that. Look at verse 44 again at the last part. It says, Then in his joy, joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. He, He has joy selling everything he has. I don't know about you guys, but that in my mind does not bring me a lot of joy. Does it bring you joy? All the things you've amassed over the years, like, ah, I'm so happy. I'm selling it all. It doesn't seem like it would bring you great joy. But, but this treasure was so valuable to him, the sacrifice of selling everything he had brought him, brought him joy. It produced joy in him. He assessed the value of the treasure as worth the sacrifice of all of his all of his life. Now, let's not com- get confused here and think that Jesus is talking about salvation, like you've got to do all these things in order to be saved. You've got to give up and have a poverty theology or anything like that. That's not what he's talking about right here. He's just showing us the value of the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus gives another parable, kind of same topic in the next verse, verse 45 and 46. It says, again, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. You know what a merchant is, right? Someone who buys and sells things. It's like a merchant in search of fine pearls. So this merchant's role was looking for pearls. Who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So this guy's in the pearl business. He finds like the best pearl of all. I've not been in the pearl business before in my life. I don't know what the best pearl of all would be, but he found it. He says, I'm gonna sell all my other pearls so I can go buy this one pearl. Uh, we moved out to Las Vegas from Kentucky in 2007. And uh, our, I think our first year out here, we had some people we met. They was like, hey, you got to go to California with us. I was like, oh, I've never been to California. California sounds like a wild place. Let's do this. And so we went to Balboa Beach. You ever been to Balboa Pe- Beach? The place was awesome. And he says, hey, uh, at the time, we had uh, just three littles at home. Uh, he said, hey, there's this place down at Balboa Beach where you can buy, I'm going to totally mess this up, you can buy an oyster And uh, if you get the right oyster and open it up, it's going to have a pearl inside of it. I was like, California is wild. (laughs) And so uh, I went and paid like 20 bucks for this oyster or something like that. Because, you know, the kids were like, we got to do this, daddy. I'm like, I thought for sure it's going to be a pearl. Open it up. Guess what was inside? A black pearl. Not the boat from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) It was something that was worth absolutely nothing i felt so ripped up i paid twenty dollars for this whole thing again i'm not in the pearl business this person right here is in the pearl business and he found the greatest pearl ever this guy was out searching i like that idea too in the second parable he says he was out in search search for this fine pearl. Now, now Jesus is taking the fine pearl and kind of putting it in with the kingdom of heaven. It's like he was out searching for the kingdom of heaven and found it. He was out searching for the truth. I've been a pastor for a long time and I've talked to a lot of people and a lot of people say, you know what? I'm just searching for the truth. And people will say they're searching for the truth. They're looking in philosophies and they're looking in religion. They're like, I'm just really searching for the truth and searching for my path and all that kind of stuff. And when people say that, they sound really cool. Am I right? kind of sounds cool but then they find the truth or better yet the truth finds them and they're like ah I know the truth and and then uh, like at that point it's like that doesn't sound cool to the world anymore does it see the world wants you to seek and yet never find and Jesus says the kingdom of heaven's right here the truth is here you can have you can have the truth so what do we do with all this pearl and treasure and truth well when we think of kingdom we think of heaven and when we think of heaven, what do we think of? Jesus, good one, okay. One plus one is? Jesus, cool. Uh, but when we think of heaven, when we think of kingdom, we think of heaven, what do we think of? We think of a place, yeah? Heaven is the place you go when you die, right? If you're in Christ, right? Yeah, we, it's okay, yeah. I'm not trying to trick you. I feel like right now you're like, ah, he's trying to trick me. I'm not trying to trick you. Yes and no kingdom is just not just a place it's much more than that the kingdom of god is now and to come okay The, the kingdom of god is is a place but it's more than that it is the rule and reign of jesus that's what the kingdom of god is the rule of reign of jesus And so right now, if you're a Christian, we're kind of living out the kingdom of God, right? Because in Christ, think about all these blessings that we have in Christ, all these kingdom blessings we have because we're in Christ. We have forgiveness. We have adoption. We have no condemnation. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit residing in us. We have this beautiful thing called the church. We have all these great things, right? But it doesn't quite feel like heaven yet, does it? And it's not supposed to because it's, it's just not yet. It's here in bits and pieces and spaces a bit, but it's just not fully here because there will be a day when Jesus returns. And when Jesus returns, it'll be fully realized. He'll set up shop right here to we'll have the fullness, the, or um, the word is the consummation of the kingdom of God. And so we'll have all that and even more. We'll have no sin. Can you imagine a world with no sin? Even better, can you imagine you and me with no sin? Like when temptation comes, which it won't then, but like there's no temptation to sin, and there's no more chaos, and there's no more catastrophes, and there's no more sorrow, and there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, there's no more illness, there's no more war, there's no more strife, there's no more relational tension. Can you picture that day? That's the the kingdom. That sounds like a treasure, doesn't it? It sounds like something of great prize. It sounds like something that we would give our whole lives to. It's just not yet. But we pray for the kingdom to come. Like uh, every Sunday we pray the Lord's Prayer. And just this time out side note. um, we, we, We get a little flack sometimes for praying the Lord's Prayer every week. We're like, this is getting ritualistic and routine and all that kind of stuff. Listen, Jesus taught us to pray this, and it can guide our prayers, and I'll do you one better. It is the prayer that we as the family know that we can pray together. Isn't that beautiful? Like, we can pray that together. Well, in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 10, it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in heaven, fullness on earth, not quite yet. So when we think of heaven, when we think of kingdom of God in heaven but not quite yet on earth, but it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And if you want to experience more of the kingdom of God in your life, then listen, allow Jesus to rule and reign more in your life. And when we allow him to rule and reign in our life, we get to experience this thing called joy. Joy is a great thing, but we need to value the kingdom of God. We need to place, as I said earlier, a high or the highest value on the kingdom of God. And we place the highest value on the kingdom of God. We have to place the highest value on the king and the king of the kingdom of God. His name is? No, But that's costly. If we're to value the kingdom of God above all things, to value the king Jesus above all things, that means that we're going to have to place a lesser value on everything else in life. I'm not saying no value, a a lesser value. It's going to cost us. You ever ever notice the parables of Jesus? Jesus always talks about gaining by losing. You ever notice that in his parables? You, You gain in the kingdom of God by losing a little something here. You gain in the kingdom of God by placing the highest value upon the kingdom and the king and a little bit lesser value on everything else. A little lesser. Now, you may be wondering, well, like, how, like, what does that even mean? Well, you think about the kingdom of God. It, it can't be bought, right? Right? You can't pay your way into heaven. It, it can't be earned. You can't earn your way into heaven or anything like that. No, no. The way we make the kingdom of God and the king uh, the, our highest value is, is through our loves. Through our, through our desires. Our loves and our desires. When our loves and our desires grow for the kingdom of God and for the king... Everything else will just naturally take second, third, and fourth, and all the way down place. And the things of this world won't, won't matter as much. They matter. I don't want to tell you the things of this world don't matter. Your job matters. Your car matters. Your house matters. Your television, it matters. Your phone, ah eh, somewhat matters. Like, those things kind of matter. You got to live in this world. You got to have a little money in your pocket. This is, it matters. But it'll just start mattering way less. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 6, 19. He says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. I love how he keeps this treasures mentality. He says, but lay up for yourself treasures in, that would be in the kingdom, the kingdom of God, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal for where your there you Yeah, where your treasure is. What's he talking about? He's talking about our loves. He's talking about our desires. That's what he's talking about. See, both parables, the kingdom of God, is rule in our lives now is called a treasure, a pearl, something of ultimate value and worth. It's worth our sacrifice. And when it becomes our greatest loves, we, I would say, gain joy. Now, back to my original question. When you look at your life, what do you treasure? Don't say it out loud. When you were to really pause and think about your life, what are you treasuring? Meaning, what are you sacrificing for? What is costing you a great deal? Wait one second before you answer that. Jesus said he is the treasure, his rule and his reign is salvation. His kingdom is the treasure worth all other lesser treasures. So what do we treasure in our life at the beginning of this message? I told you about the science of economics and there's a theory known as the subjective theory of value and we all place value on various things in our life and pay accordingly we sacrifice accordingly when we uh, place this value on something that means we say a lot of yes to it And anytime we say yes to anything we have to say no to some other things as well And, and i believe when jesus rules and reigns more and more in our lives when we place a higher value on his kingdom and higher value on the king he begins to align our values with his values, right? Isn't that what we want as Christians? I want my loves to match the loves of God. And as he's changing me and transforming me, part of that transformation is my desires to where I start desiring the things of God more, and more, and more, and desiring the things of this world, not saying they're all bad, but less and less and less. And, and as we begin to do that, or as we continue to do that, we're going to see something start to form in our life. And it happens to all of us. You may be right there right now. The more and more we, we um, place a higher value upon the kingdom of God and the King Jesus, the more we're going to start to see the line form in our life. The line. The two characters in the parable sold all for Jesus. They sacrificed everything. They were willing To sacrifice everything it's Jesus telling a parable there but what about us are we willing to sacrifice everything where is the line Jesus I will serve you and I will follow you and I will love you up until this line I will give everything until we get to right here then anything past that I'm not feeling too good about that I'm not feeling very comfortable about that No, no 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 Jesus wants it all he wants to rule and reign over everything uh, there's an old hymn I got saved in, in my twenties and I got saved at this two uh, hundred year old Baptist church. I still had original members there as well and there was this hymn there's this hymn we used to sing. they were beautiful people, beautiful people uh-huh. there's This there's a hymn we used to sing. you probably know this hymn it's called "I surrender all and uh hey if you uh, let's poke a little fun it's okay to laugh let's poke a little fun you ever you ever been uh, uh, i don't know if I should or not hey you ever you ever uh, I'm just joking. You ever you ever been at uh at a, one of those churches where they have an altar call? Not saying anything bad about that, but like you know they 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 pipe up the hymn and you know on the on the organ and the piano and like they're gonna keep playing this over and over until someone takes you know takes one for the team and comes forward and just okay anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Every time I hear "I Surrender," all, I'm like somebody, anybody, go up front. I'm hungry i'm not poking yeah i am (laughs) anyway i surrender all uh it goes like this all to jesus i surrender all to him i freely give i will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live and we sing that and it's beautiful and we like it but if not careful we sing it like a medicine commercial you've seen those medicine commercials right those medicine, medicine commercials go like this. Do you have, do you have restless leg syndrome? Take, take b and and uh, you know, it'll help all your restless leg syndrome. Side effects include diarrhea, melting teeth, exploding brain, affections for country music and possibly the Dallas Cowboys or whatever it is. <laughs> You've seen those commercials. It's like the side effects are worse than actually what you got. I was like, I'd rather my leg shake a little bit. It's way better than liking country music. Well, when we sing a song like that, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give, we go into, you know, side effects of like, well, accept my money my time, my home, my attention, my schedule, my sexuality, my control, my parenting, my pet sin. Not like your pet is sinning, my pet sin. You get that one. Yeah. Maybe. This is a cat. Think about it. And we think there, there's always, there's always, there's a line. And, and everything we leave on that side of the line, it's basically saying, I value this more than Jesus. We, we, we don't, we won't say it out loud, but that's what we're saying. We're saying, I, I, I value this, this, this is more. Like, Jesus, I'll follow you to this line. I will call you the great treasure up into this line. But Jesus, you're messing with my comfort. And I'll follow you all the way up here to where it's comfortable, like you don't mess with me too much. But Jesus, if you make, it, if you make my life inconvenient, you know, like joining a communion group and then someone asks me to move, like, I'm out, I'm not doing that. Or, or Jesus, I'll follow you all the way up to this line, and I'll give you my time when it's convenient to me. I'll give you my Sunday, maybe two out of four. I'll give you my Sunday, but if you cost me any more time than that, if you're, gonna, you're gonna mess with my schedule, Jesus. Don't you know this? Don't you know the schedule that I run, Jesus? Like, then, then, I, then, I, then I'm out. Or sexuality, like, Jesus, I'll, I'll trust you with my sexuality, but Jesus, I've read your book, and it's, it feels a bit outdated, and it doesn't, like, line up with the way the world is right now. I'll follow you to this point, Jesus, like, you, you keep me safe, but so does my savings. And I'll follow you up to this point, but when you start taking some of my zeros away, my commas away, mm-mm, I don't like that at all. So, so we, we have lines. That, would you agree? We, we all kind of do. They, who knows what they are in our own lives? Maybe we do. Why do we have these lines? I'll tell you. I'll give you one reason. One reason why we have these lines it's control. It's the kingdom of heaven is ruling and reigning of Jesus. That takes surrendering all of our control. And I got to rule and reign in my own life. Why in the world do we do that? Maybe it's that cup. There's a couple in the Bible. I don't know if you heard them. They're called Adam and Eve. And they were doing great. And in the Bible, it says they were naked and had no shame. Imagine that world. And then sent into the picture, and they fell to temptation. And then, and then when they fell to temptation, when they sinned, and sin entered the world and entered them as well, there was this reality where, like, they looked at themselves and were like, oh, my gosh, I'm so ashamed. I am naked. And they went and hid themselves, and God came around. and like like, come on out, guys. And what they do, before, like, when they were coming out to talk to God? What they do? Yeah. They, they, they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. That's so impractical process that they sew thick leaves together to cover themselves why i I gotta control this and it's too it's too vulnerable to be naked like this anymore i i i gotta i gotta i gotta control why i i don't feel safe i I don't feel like uh, i'm enough I, i i don't i don't have enough control I feel inadequate. And so I think that that's, the, that's a control issue, right? And so that's why they, they sold the, these fig leaves together. And the only way God could do something was they had to take those fig leaves off so he could properly clothe them. If you remember how he properly clothed them, right? Killed an animal. Well, he didn't have a gun. He killed an animal and then skinned them and put the, the, the skin on them, right? And so to be covered by death, which is a pointing picture to Jesus later on. They had to take the fig leaves off so God God could cover them. Why? Because they didn't feel like they were enough. They felt inadequate. They didn't feel they didn't feel right. Um, fast forward. You're gonna love this. Fast forward to the Book of Revelation. And the Reve- in the Book of Revelation. There is what's called the mark of the beast. You know you know what the three significant. Everyone knows the three significant numbers of the mark of the beast is. Now we all we all think, oh, that's what's gonna be on our foreheads and, and hands when we go to Smith's and scan and get our groceries. Not quite. <laughs> six six six, the number six is representative of the number seven. Seven in the Bible typically means perfection. Okay? It's a very, it's a very important thing. It means perfection. Six is one less than seven, math. And so Six means imperfection, and a lot of times you see things repeated in the Bible over and over and over. Remember the scene in Isaiah 6? When Isaiah came before, like, this vision of God, he said what? <laughs> My bad. My bad. Holy, holy, holy. It's, it's really an emphasis. And so when you see 666, six, six, you're, you're, what you're seeing is imperfect, imperfect, imperfect. That's what that means. I know you were like, no, it means, nope. Imperfect, imperfect, perfect. Fall short, fall short, fall short. Not enough, not enough, not enough. Inadequate, inadequate, inadequate. That's us. We don't we, we don't measure up. We we have a line because we, we don't feel like we have control because we just don't feel good enough and adequate enough. We are inadequate. Now, everything pushes back, and, and you're like, no, I'm not, Ty. That's why I have all these degrees. I have more degrees than Vegas in July. Like, I got degrees galore. No, I don't, tie. That's why I have all this money. No, I don't, tie. That's why I have all these hobbies. No, I don't, tie, because that's why I have my calendar so full. No, I don't, tie because I'm the best parent ever, and you can look at my kids, and they're in 8,000 activities, and X, Y, Z. No, I don't, Ty. I'm not in- inadequate. Why? Because I am spiritually mature and I know my Bible. You're wearing fig leaves. Those are not bad things. I'm not saying fig leaves. Those things I just named aren't, they're, they're not bad things. But why, why would we use them to prove that we're not, that we're enough? Why, why do we use those things to prove that we're adequate? I think if we're not careful, we're trying to find our value in what we do and not who we are in Christ. Hey, um, I, I grew up watching Saturday Night Live. Did anybody watch Saturday Night Live in the 80s and 90s? Okay. Uh, you remember a Stuart Smalley uh, played by Al Franken? Al Franken's like a he's a politician or something. Remember that? Stuart Smalley. And Stuart Smalley would sit in front of the mirror, and he would say this, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Remember that? Giving himself that pep talk, he was wrong. (laughs) Human, you are inadequate. You are not enough. As many tattoos as we can get that says, I'm enough, and enough jewelry where it says, I'm enough, you're just not. In and of yourself. I know, like, man, this is a cheery message today. (laughs) You're just not. But Jesus is. And, and, and like that 's why we want that 's why we want to treasure him the most why he he's he's he 's adequate he is enough and adequately he goes to the cross and dies for us and adequately he goes and resurrects for us and adequately he gives us his life and his righteousness from the cross and so he is enough and so I want to be with the guy who is enough right and then as a bonus round he puts us together as a church so we can be there and be enough for one another so we can bear each other's burdens so we can carry uh, uh the burdens of one another so we can cover one another's offense so we can be strong when when some of us are just weak so we can love and care for one another so human if you're in christ you're not six 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 anymore you know what you are seven 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 somebody like Psh, i'm a dime baby no you're seven seven <laughs> Seven. Because your value is Christ. And so in Christ, you're enough. Christ, you are adequate. It's so easy for me to convince you that you're a sinner. It's so hard for me to convince you that you're a sinner and yet God still loves you. Christ wants you. And Christ really is really is your worth he really is your treasure we we can we can try to find our treasure in everything and everyone else but Christ is enough I know we want to find it in our work and speaking of work hey uh I, I know I know my context a lot of you uh are in the military am I right give me a little nod if you are or have been yeah and, and uh, so I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting, I'm new to the military situation. My son's in the military right now. Pretty cool. And so uh, I noticed they have um, a little Velcro-y thing on, the, on your chest. I'm going to screw this up too. A little Velcro-y thing on your chest. And it's got stripes and, and roofs and like all these kind of fun things on there. Um, and, and if not, and so I, I just know like uh, he, my, my son's been informed. My, my, fun, my son calls me a civvy. He's like, dad, you're such a civvy. Civilian anyway he's explaining all these things to me and he and he says when you know when you meet someone with all these different things on there you have to salute or do whatever and so like you know he's like my goal is to get more of these more of these stripes more of these stars more of these things and i'm like that's great do that it's amazing yay all for it but that's not your personal value Um, the book of isaiah tells me the stripes that give me the most value are the stripes that jesus bore on himself that bring me healing So Jesus, Jesus is enough. So, where are you placing your value? What is your greatest treasure? And you may say Jesus, but is that true? Is where, where's your line? What are you withholding? What are you having as a, a higher value? And one way to tell is like if Jesus really is your greatest treasure, everything else he doesn't want to take it away. He just wants to lead it. Everything else is a lesser treasure. It. If you say Jesus is my treasure, then you're going to have joy. You're going to have peace. Even when your life is falling apart, even when when things are not going right. Jesus is going to be enough, even when you lose everything. There's a guy in the Bible by the name of Paul. Paul was the man. Paul had degrees. Paul had prestige. Paul was from the right family line. Paul had everything, everything. Listen to what Paul says about all that. He says in Philippians 3, 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Instead, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing, what's the word? Worth, treasure of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered because of Jesus. Like that's some fine print Christianity right there. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. You know what that word means? Don't say it in church. It means, uh, poo? I mean, I, but like the strong version, the S word. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what that means. Garbage, rubbish, dung, waste, what kind of malls. Just, they're, they're less significant. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, having a righteousness worth, not of my own, that comes from, from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Jesus is to be our ultimate treasure. You want to see some transformation? You want to see your joy increase? You want to see a bit of peace? Pause. Get to the quiet of your life and start asking God, God, what do I really treasure? What do I sacrifice for? What is costing me Everything is it producing joy? Chaos. Is it producing peace or just strife? I think, I think he'll be good and faithful to, to, to show us. Because ultimately, Jesus, I want you to be my greatest treasure. And ultimately, I don't want to give you just part of me. Jesus, I want you to have everything. Why? Because this is what we're created to be and what we're created for. That Christ would rule and reign in our hearts. You want to live fully and flourish as a human being in which you've been designed to to live under God's rule, then be under God's rule. Treasure him the most. This is what it means to be fully alive as a human being. If not, we just give him half of ourselves. And Charles Spurgeon said this Be half a Christian, and you shall have half enough religion to make you miserable. What do you treasure? I want to pray, I want to pause just let us sit in this for just a second. Just some silence. It's good for us in this season. Really been good. And then we're going to baptize. And and perhaps for some of you there, uh, you've never been baptized. Well, we have a 1030 and a 1230. Come see us. We'd love to baptize you today uh, if you have trusted Jesus. But I'm going to pray. Let's spend a bit of time in silence. Father, we come to you now and just sitting silent before you. Jesus, we pray that you'd be our greatest treasure. Show us maybe the line areas where you're not. Holy Spirit, be sweet to convict us and simultaneously comfort us in Christ. God, it is so good to sit before you silent. For many of us, it's the only peace we've had all week. God, thank you for letting us be here together with one another and and that you be present with us. Jesus, it feels like it would be a rude Command statement for you to tell us that you should be our greatest treasure if it were not true. But, but Jesus, it is, you're right. You are the greatest treasure, you are the giver of life. And God, a lot of times we're just, we're scared to live that out, we're, we're afraid. What would happen if we give you complete freedom to rule and reign in all of our lives? I pray if that's the case, God, you just give us a bit of courage today. I I pray as your word says to taste and see that you're good. I pray that we we taste, that we would just, just little by little trust more and more and more. No matter what happens in our life, knowing that we can have joy and peace in you, that you're worth the sacrifice of everything. We function properly, making everything in this world lesser than you. Help us do that. And as as you do that, Jesus, would you grow our desires and our loves for you more and more to where we just, we love you and we love your word. we, We love your people. We love the mission which you've set us upon. We talk about you. We think about you. Grow our loves and desires. Draw us closer to you, to one another. Give us joy and peace, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.